myself. Yat Eshea Elton Nasworthy and Che Tohan Inchna Tabaha Bushes Chin. Like Hedene, Edisha Tetnis and Edishanella, DAA Dinensha. What I said is hello, my name is Elton Noswood. I'm of the Near to the Water Clan, born for the Edgewater Clan. My maternal grandfather's clans of the Mexican people and my paternal grandfather's clans of the Tango people. This is how I identify as Navajo. So I was taught at a young age to introduce myself in that way uh, when I'm talking to other indigenous people. First and foremost, to identify myself to the creator, but secondly, and most importantly, identify myself to others who I'm speaking to uh, because in our way of knowing, we make those connections through clans, right? And I often tell our non-native relatives that I often view clanships are like American last names, how when you're born, you typically take your father's last name. And when, um, you know, cisgender people get married, they take their husband's last name primarily because in American society, we live in a patriarchal society. But for Navajo people, we live in a matriarchal society. So my clanships honor my mother, my grandmother, and my female lineage identifying as who I am as a Navajo person. So I kind of explain that so people understand the clanship relations a little bit more, which also comes with some responsibilities, right? Ways in which we identify. There's over 150 Navajo clans. So it gets a little complicated knowing who's related to each other. Um, but, you know, those are what I was taught at a young age. So there's over 150 Navajo clans. So it gets a little complicated knowing who's related to each other. But, you know, those are what I was taught at a young age. So using my Navajo language, you know, we're taught in kindergarten primarily, or even before kindergarten, formal education, that's the way you introduce yourself. That's what my grandmother taught us, right? That's how you tell people who you are. Then the other thing is telling people where I come from. So I um, grew up, <clears throat> my mother's family is from a place called uh, White Horse Lake, New Mexico, which is about maybe 15, 10, 15 miles east of the Chaco Canyon National Monument. Um, and it's a very, what I call the deep res. So it's a very, it's a very rural area. But that's where I grew up with my, um, uh, my maternal grandparents. And then I moved with my mother to a place called Winderock, uh, Fort Defiance, Arizona, which is on the Navajo Reservation as well. Uh, uh, and that's where I started school and, uh, and um, you know, continued on. Uh, but I currently live in Denver, Colorado, um, in the ancestral lands of the Arapaho Cheyenne people. Uh, I also identify as Two-Spirit, um, and I also identify as a, a gay male, and also as a Nugly individual. Um, so during these conversations, I can explain a little bit more just on the different identities that I've, as an adult, grown to identify with and feel comfortable in doing so. Um, so hopefully during that conversation, I can add a little bit more to that. Uh, but just very happy to be here um, and be a part of this project and having this discussion and seeing my uh, relatives as well. So thank you for having me be here. Thank you so much, Elton. Hina, would you like to go next? Hello. Aoya, mahalo. Ano, aite, aloha ya katoa paoloa. 
e teia wahi a naina kato e launa nei o au no teia o hina le moana wang kalu o au he tamaha nau no au no hoa inu ia kea pai aina tu o ne hanau ai no mau ahu ma kia wawa nu uanu ma kahi wahi e tapa ia nei o puunu i me liliha O Georgette Moana Matias tu matuahine oyet gate mahine amona kanani kolani ki aloha lawa o John Furtado Matias O Henry Dayao Wang to matuatane oyanot kati a iris kam kiu lok lawa o Henry Kunlem Wang wao no talako mo puna a wao no teia kato e launa nei mahalo anu e teia hui ana mahalo anu e klokomaita e o kia tua mahalo e klokomaita o tu umau tu puna mahalo e klokomaita e o teia po ai aloha nei aloha 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 so i bring you greetings from the islands of hawaii my homeland i am born on the island of oahu here in this place between Pu'unui and Liliha. And I spoke to you the names of my parents and my grandparents. In Kanaka culture, Hawaiian culture, we identify by our birth land, our birth sands. We identify by our genealogy. And so today I have recited to you just a very brief offering of where I am from and who I come from. I am their child and I represent them today. And I am most honored to be here. Mahalo to you, David, my dear friend from a younger time and a different space and place in life. And here we are, we still have the breath of life to bring us here today. Thank you for the sharing, Mahalo Elton and Josie, Elizabeth for all of our uh, time spent today. Mahalo, 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 aloha. Thank you so much, Hina. And Josie, what do you do next? She'e Josie Rapaliro Yimshia, Belagana Nishle, Do Hartsoi Bashishin, Ado Belagana E Dasha Che, Do Torekoje Dashanale. My name is Josie Rapaliro, and similar to Elton's experience, you know, grew up um, learning how to introduce ourselves. Um, and sharing our clans. And so um, my mom is German and Swedish, Scandinavian. Um, and my uh, father is Metal People Clan. And my paternal grandfather is Saltwater Clan. And so I um, come from Raymond Navajo. Uh, and I'm learning more and more about the history of our land, but it's also known as which is where the wild onions grow. Uh, which is funny because I'm not a big onion fan. I'm growing into that as well. <laughs> um, but that's in New Mexico and um, is from two hours west of Albuquerque. So we are up in the mountains and 8,000 feet above sea level. It's beautiful. When people think about New Mexico, they often envision the desert, much like the landscape that's kind of behind me right now. But it's, you know, tall ponderosa pines, but I love it. My, my mother is still there. Still have a ton of family there. And that's where I call home. But my second home where I currently live is in Buffalo, New York. 
on traditional Haudenosaunee land. So moved here with my wife a few years ago and our cat. And I'm just really grateful to be able to uh, join this space. I also work at the Center for Indigenous Cancer Research uh, with uh, David as our clinical advisor and Rodney Herring, who was mentioned earlier, and really have been fortunate to find these different Indigenous spaces throughout the different work that I do so that I can find home in, any, in anywhere that I land. I also I identify as a queer Dene or Indigenous woman. So it's been great having new partners and colleagues to continue to ask those questions about what about Two-Spirit and um, Native LGBTQ people? What about our perspectives? Have you had these conversations? And so it's just been incredible to have to be surrounded by people who are willing to listen, willing to learn, and, you know, being able to open the spaces like we are this week. So thank you very much, Akeha, for, for having me, and I'm really looking forward to our conversations today. Thank you so much, Josie. And it's truly an honor to have all three of you here and and part of this important conversation, one of the Wisdom Keepers episodes, but also sharing and educating everyone, including myself, about the Mahu and the Two-Spirit cultures. I think it would be helpful to understand the different value systems that are at the table, just kind of thoughts on some of the values that you carry with you on a personal level, you know, when it's a day-to-day -day conversation with yourself, but that may also include some of the, of course, the values that you carry from your community, from our community, and just kind of see where that grounds us in our conversation this evening. And so maybe Elton to start. Great, and thank you for that question. So just thinking about values growing up as a Navajo, a gay male, Nugway individual, I think one of the things I value most is this concept of hajo, um, as it's called in Navajo. And the term hajo is translated to an understanding of balance and harmony. And there's this core value in Navajo called which translated means to live a long life in harmony and in balance. And I take that saying to heart, um, and even in every day of trying to live in that balanced life. Um, and there are activities that help me to live that balanced life in a way that I offer prayers, I, I smudge, I participate in ceremonies. Those are the activities that help keep me in balance, right? And I think during this pandemic, I really valued the, the practice of prayer, because I feel like it got me through those early days of self-isolation. And it really taught me to center myself with these things that we call anxiety or depression, right? These concepts that keep us unbalanced. So that really helped me in doing that. Um, and, you know, just being a, a native person living in a contemporary life, right? Um, I often say that I'm, 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 I'm more acculturated because I don't think we'll ever be assimilated. But having that balanced concept in my own personal life of being con a contemporary native always keeps me in balance, right? I, I love my Starbucks, right? But I still can, you know, practice my 
you know, enjoying my herbal Navajo tea as well. Yeah, so keeping that balance. So to me, that's a value I hold dear is that sense of balance and harmony. Jean, Jean, so keeping that in mind. And then more so as a two spirit person, uh, a nugly person, uh, that value of being uh, an advisor, a, a negotiator, which I think is a cultural role for uh, you know a nugly person like myself. And there's stories about how that kind of kind of evolves. I feel that's kind of something that I possess too. So yeah. Uh, Hino, do you want to share some of the values that you carry with you? As Kanaka, as a Hawaiian, I, I know the following things to be true. One of the most important terms is aloha. And aloha is not only hello, not only goodbye. Aloha is love. And it it is quite implicit with the understanding of respect, dignity, and honor. So to say that word aloha, it's not just a word that we use lightly. Aloha has been commodified by foreigner culture. And people can package it and compartmentalize it and sell it. But my people know this word as the most prominent word in my culture. And the bonds of aloha keep relationships. They mend hearts. They, they repair souls. Mahalo. Mahalo is another term. It means to be thankful it means to show appreciation it means and that appreciation comes with the understanding of humility and gratitude kokua means to share the back it means to help and and we come from a society based on the collective so we come from a culture of helping one another laulima it means many hands and many hands means that we all work together to make light work. These are just some of the basic fundamentals of what I understand as being Kanaka. To be Mahu within the umbrella of being Kanaka. Mahu is a term that if we were to put a 2021 understanding of what the word Mahu conveys, it is beyond the 1840 definition found in Lauren Andrews' Dictionary of the Hawaiian Language, which states that it was a male who assimilates his manner and or dress to that of a woman. It goes beyond the expounded upon understandings of, of the word to include people who in a, in a same-sex loving relationship Mahu speaks to the mindset, the heart set, the, the demeanor, the outlook, the attitude, and, and how people of duality see and, and exist in this world. But you'll not find that on the 
you know, on the pages of a dictionary. As, as someone who can identify as Mahu if need be, it is to simply give greater definition and description to who and what I am and what my capacity can be, depending on the context of the situation. But I am always Kanaka first. I'm Hawaiian first. And I believe that, especially when I reflect upon my work, um, it's always been to get behind being Kanaka first in my homeland where colonization is it, it, it is so overwhelming and it's become so normalized that my people no longer see this. They no, no longer think about this. They no longer perceive that we come from a completely different culture from that of mainstream Anglo-Saxon governed America. And so that's how I identify. That's how I see the world. I also identify, as I mentioned earlier, by being the child of my family. And, and so I look at the world not by identifying by sex or gender, but I identify by what my culture tells me that I am. And it's a blessing. It is the greatest gift to be someone who is of duality, someone who, as our native brothers and sisters say, two-spirit. No matter the term that is afforded to the two-spirit or that, that person of duality, it is, it is great power, it is great responsibility, and it is not just for the ordinary, everyday person. And as I like to say, mahu are magic. It's like that. <laughs> I love it. That's beautiful. There's, you know, so much that we can discuss this evening. People who are new to these terms of mahu, of nagle, of two-spirit, uh, there can be a lot of maybe confusion, misunderstanding, but at the end of the day, coming back to our values, I think is what is most helpful in how we present ourselves, how we try to identify and to some extent try to describe these different identities that unfortunately you have to you know check a box sometimes and help clarify for those who are willing to learn what these terms really mean to us so elton do you have any thoughts that you want to share about the different identities that you had discussed earlier or briefly mentioned earlier uh yeah sure but just responding to you know kumahina's response on values i saw a lot of similarities and it just kind of really enabled my thought to go even more, you know, just on that term hajon and aloha. These simple terms that we know in our culture have such a deeper meaning, right, than what we explain. And that goes even beyond and in, also into our own gender identities. It's that magic, right, uh, you know, that it's explained. But, and only we as indigenous people are able to understand that. Right, so the appropriating of our culture, whether it's generally our culture, but even our own gender identity, sometimes have non-natives come up and say, oh, I'm two-spirit too, and get all glorified about it. And I'm like, um, actually you're not, and you can't use that term. Because there's that 
something special that we possess to call ourselves Two-Spirit, right? And some of our elders have said that to me too, that when you take on and accept the term Two-Spirit, it comes with that responsibility, community responsibility. And as a non-Native, they don't get that part, right? You know, and that's what I'm talking about. That's that special cultural knowledge that we share um, together. So, and then just one more thought was uh, the duality. You used the term duality. And I also thought of two-spirit, how that can be considered a duality as well. But then that went back to my values of Hajon, the balance, right? The two, the duality. Interesting how these concepts overlap in a way you know and we understand and we get it yes very much so native people do not have to identify by your genitalia we do not have to identify by the superimposed perspectives uh uh, pro eurocentric or pro americentric american centric kind of what what is a masculine and what is feminine? And, and of course, if we look further into masculine and feminine, we find that this is really um, prevalent in Eurocentric, especially amongst the Latin-based backgrounds where you have the, the feminine and masculine pronoun or in language, um, what's the term that they use? Latino versus Latina. And there's a clearly defined way of articulating pretty much anything you want to communicate. Now, interestingly enough, if you have a two-spirit, depending on which way they lead, they will use the appropriate way that they're going to speak. So if it was a male-to-female individual, likely we might find them using the Latina-oriented way of speaking. And so even in their cultures, I believe that they have their own set of checks and balances. But in Hawaii, for example, we have the term oya. And oya is a term that refers to he, she, and or it. So it's an all-inclusive pronoun. It does not place a, a sex on it. And it simply refers to someone else or something else. Oh, did so-and-so come? Did she come? Did he come? I, wahelemai oya. And and there we use the word oya. So you don't have to necessarily try to define them, again, by their physical body parts. So when it comes to pronouns, I find myself um, needing uh, needing a, a different kind of perspective to get away from the they them theirs but interestingly enough if you think on a spiritual level that there is a whole lot of truth to what our native american brothers and sisters say brothers and sisters say to spirit and i'll focus on the word spirit if we could imagine that there was truly a male spirit and a female spirit that occupied one physical body then it might make sense for us to say they, them, theirs. And it refers to a plurality of spirit. Now that I can wrap my thoughts around. 
but that's not necessarily something that most English speaking people might think of right out of the gate. Yes, Mahalo Elton. I can identify with all that you're speaking to because again, here in Hawaii, people who are two-spirited, people who are of the duality, people who are mahu are known to have all kinds of skills, all kinds of talents, but not only that, we're known to have diversity in perspective. And if if David were to come home to Hawaii and, and speak to me about something, whatever that something was, I have a range of thinking caps that I can put on. Do I want to think like a man and think, hmm, this is what, this is what I think of the problem that he just presented to me? Or do I want to think like a woman? Hmm, this is how I can help my friend solve that problem. Or do I want to... To be even better than that, think like Mahu and it, put all of them together and summarize it up in grand form so that my friend David can perhaps solve his problem that he has just presented to me. Oh my gosh, where did I go? Look at that. Mahu are magic. That's serious magic. Mahu are magic. You see. Look at that. <laughs> And you're back. So, yeah, I like the conversation about pronouns, you know, and that's become kind of this conversation we've been having in our communities. And I think it's generational because a lot of our older folks don't, they don't understand why it needs to be specific. And, you know, and I think about my mother and my aunts, they always used to misgender us as kids. We didn't take it personally because they grew up in a generation where they were forced to kind of learn that too, right? And so it's just interesting how the conversation about the binary, you know, the male and the female, she and he are so prevalent in American society, whereas in our Native communities, it's, it's the fluidity, it's that understanding being fluid. And I liked your example, Hina, of saying I can put on my male cap or my female, but if I wanted that extra, I'd put on my mahu cap, right? And my thinking. And that's kind of how I view the fluidity and the way we think about ourselves in that way. And then, you know, just to add on to the term two-spirit, like it was, it was a term that was developed in the 1990s at the um, International Two-Spirit Gathering as they're called now, and it was a handful of folks, and some of those folks are still around with us. And this was 30 years ago. Wow, that's been a long time. And they just wanted a term that was culturally appropriate because there were terms like Burdash that was used by historians, and you know they wanted to decolonize this concept of who we were. And so the term Two-Spirit was, was, was adopted, and it was just a translation of a cultural term, which you mentioned, Kina, to say to have a male and a female spirit within one. So that's the literal interpretation, but the cultural part of it is the responsibilities and and the gender role concept, as we think of in American, right? Um, Because in American society, I often say we think of sexual orientation. They're all about sex. What happens in your bedroom? (laughs) There's actually federal law against, or some state laws. Against it. So I have to say, it's, it, 
American society is concerned about what goes on in your teepee than what goes on outside. <laughs> the teepee, right. So in our native cultures, it's more about what we do outside our teepee. Right? Exactly. Thank you. Thank you so much. You have just made my day. Thank you. Why are you concerned about what goes on in my teepee when I come up a culture that concerns myself with what I'm doing outside of my teepee? Yes. And I didn't welcome you into my teepee, so why are you digging into my business? Get out of my teepee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and sometimes we had more than one in our teepee, right? If we were lucky. So, and that's you know, our prerogative. Yeah, and that it was our prerogative whom we invite and how many we invite into our TP. It's not anybody else's business. How dare they? Yes, yes. So right. that's always the way I kind of think of that concept, you know, of the of the perspective of how Americans think about what it means to be LGBTQ, right, and what it means for us, and yeah. um, and and you know, and they're more concerned about sex, the act, yeah. the physical act. If I may, David, may I have your permission? Hina, you have my undivided support to uh, take the lead and and take it where it may go. Mahalo. So when I was in school and growing up in this world, I knew the feelings and the emotions that I felt about myself and what I wanted for myself. But I was very afraid to, to try to live any of those truths and to try to be anywhere near being all about that. I didn't want to be it. I didn't want to be all about it. I was afraid of it. And that it was simply living the truth of having duality of spirit, of mind, of heart, and of my perspectives. Now, if you can imagine being in high school and, you know, I had a friend like, like David and David was true to what being Hawaiian meant. We were friends, not because of anybody's uh, gender orientation. And we were friends, not for anything near remotely sexual but it was we're friends because we're friends and we got along and that's it and so you know i was fortunate enough that even though i'm sure i i don't know all of the different things that david might have thought about what it was that i was about but he wasn't paying attention to that he saw me as a friend he invited me. So, you know, when I used to go and crash over at his house, we we would stay up, we would go out and we would, you know, like hang out and do all kind of stuff. But, you know, when it came back to going, like go home and hang out, it was his teepee. He didn't have a hale that said, you're only welcome in my teepee if you are like this, and this kind of way, he, he reflected the values of his family and his household. And it was a value of aloha. And if you were a friend and you are welcome to come over, if you were somebody who's trustworthy and you were going to respect the 
um, the house that was, you know, providing a roof over your head and maybe a meal for you to eat and a place for you to hang out and kick back. That's what their hale, what their tipi was about. And I was invited into it. And I was very privileged, especially given whom his genealogy reflects. So, Elton, when you said that, I can only reflect on this very appropriate example. So, mahalo to my friend David for having that kind of heart, the, the heart of a kanaka, a heart of a Hawaiian, where if you my friend, you say you my friend, and we respect and appreciate one another, then we are friends, and you come over my house, and you can sleep in my house if you need to sleep, and you can eat in my house if you need to eat, and we can just enjoy life. And that's what it was all about, you know? I love that. Thank you so much for including me in this conversation, Hina, and uh, and you know discussing my teepee because I I wasn't sure how I could I could insert my teepee into this conversation, but I feel very privileged to be welcomed into it. Thank you so much. Mahalo, <laughs> and, you know, for for the people listening, tell me. So you had me for a friend. I'm sure that you saw how others might have regarded me or spoken about me. I mean. You were one of them that kept me around. Um, what did you think? How did you do it? Like You were just a fun person to be around. I think, you know, maybe you were embracing a little bit of, of the Mahu side because you had that je ne sais quoi, that little extra something that made you fun to be around. You know, we would joke around. We would tease each other like brothers would, you know, and um, <laughs> we would get into all kinds of mischief, like you were saying. Mm, yeah. <laughs> And having a good time with each other, regardless of, you know, anything beyond just a good person, just kind of seeing your spirit inside and sharing time and having that, that wonderful exchange. It was time well spent, for sure. Mahalo, mahalo. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. And it's, you know, it goes back to that family, you know, mm -hmm. it's that family, you invite them in. Like in our culture, you invite them in, but you feed them, you give them food, you make coffee, you, you know, you share. And, and it wasn't about discrimination. It wasn't about, oh, it's because you're that way, or, you know, it was about your family, you come in, your relatives, you know, we shake your hand and you do that, right? That's kind of how, how we are as indigenous people. And once we began to be colonized, they started, okay, no, this isn't right. And, you know, and then that there's a whole another topic about organized religion concepts. So that's not right. That's not the right way. <laughs> yeah, that's such a good story. And it made me think of, you know, how important it is for our younger people to see those types of relationships forming, to see that type of community being built and, you know, having those doors open to those who are, are good people and have good hearts and, you know, want to be involved in each other's lives. I mean, I think of like our nieces and nephews who are growing up now and, you know, see a healthy relationship in me and my wife and that they just know, know us as their aunties. And it's only been more recently where we've had to try to explain when questions come up about, well, why are there like, so who's the husband? Who's the, who's the man in this relationship? And so it's, it's so interesting to have like a, a young person's perspective that is fresh and they just, you know, genuinely don't understand yet, but they know you can tell they 
already accept and love and know that they that you are their family. So, and it also makes me think of back to the conversation of uh, pronouns that are being shared and evolving even more. I mean, to be honest, I don't know all the different pronouns that are being used now. Some with the, I can't even pronounce the Z-I-R, Zer, and others. Yeah. Um, What's that? Is, yeah, I know. It, it's a newer pronoun that I need to learn more about, but I, I see that it just keeps evolving. Yeah, yeah. One of our other friends talks about how, um, agreeing with your comments, that there aren't pronouns used in their specific language, and so they don't use pronouns, especially in like conversations like this where we're introducing ourselves. And more and more often, I find myself in these queer Indigenous spaces where that's kind of become a normal thing. Everyone uses those pronouns and shares their pronouns. And I've started to see it more as a way to at least you know, not necessarily for yourself, but for others to be able to share the different perspective that they have. And if there was another person who went by they, them, or ZIR, ZER, that that would be their chance to kind of insert that and to kind of expand the perspectives in the room. So I myself go back and I'm like, okay, I'll use pronouns when, you know, we're in a, a meeting space like that, but Otherwise, it's yeah, it's it still seems a bit foreign to me. This this was so much fun listening to the stories and you know the the experiences and um, just kind of your insight and and definitely the manao that that you know wisdom that you uniquely have and as comfortable as I feel with you know my mahu friends, um, you know it's always nice to understand their perspectives and being able to embrace that and appreciate them for how they feel, who they are, and that kind of understanding, just like I like being understood by my friends for what my values and my perspectives are. So thank you so much for that. I think that there's going to be a lot of people out there who get a lot out of this Wisdom Keepers episode, not just for the Mao Spirit topic, but also for the cultural exchange. That's wonderful. So, and Josie, you did a fantastic job of moderating. So, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for having me. And Alton and Hina, it was amazing to sit here and absorb everything you were sharing. And yeah, I, I echo those those comments that it's. I think people are going to get a lot out out of this episode, the conversation. And who knows, maybe there's going to be a request for around two <laughs> with their own questions. So, you know, and, and exploring more topics, maybe, you know, really uh, interesting questions may come up that uh, that would be, you know, worth us just getting together and, and going down that avenue again, which I think would be wonderful. Elton, if you're ever in this neck of the woods, you're welcome to, to come and crash at our teepee. <laughs> and, and you know um, i look forward to seeing you when we get back to hawaii in a couple of weeks hi mahalo come on everybody mahalo aloha have a good night have a good night Bye -bye. blessings have a